of my messages, break the mold. Break the mold. Uh, have you ever had anybody say anything about you that, that you're like, I ain't ever going to do that, or that's just not me, and that's not going to happen, or, or man, I would like to be this person, or I'd like to. I, I just want to challenge everybody that's here today. There's a mold that may need to be broken in your own personal life. Mother's Day is an amazing day because we honor all of the mothers and, and all of the ladies, actually. And I'm just, we're just like, we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for our mom, right? I mean, like, literally, <laughs> we wouldn't be here. <laughs> A little girl came up to her mama and she says, well, mom, said, how did, how did, we, how did we come into existence? And her mother thought this is a great teaching opportunity. So she t told her about Ad Adam and Eve and how God created Adam and Eve and then how the world was, uh, and hum the human race started with Adam and Eve. And the little girl, she, a couple days later, she went to her dad and she asked her dad, said, well, said, dad, how, how, did the, how did the human race start? And her dad said, well, said, we used to be a bunch of monkeys. <laughs> And, and uh, it's like, and then we just kind of wound up who we are, you know, and, and, uh, and so the little girl, she's, she's obviously um, confused. And she goes back to her mom and says, how come you said that it was an Adam and Eve? And then I went to dad and he said, that we come from a bunch of monkeys. And uh, her mom said, well, Actually, honey, we're both right because I was talking about my side of the family and he was talking about his side of the family. <laughs> I mean, I talked to you this morning about Ruth, the book of Ruth, and uh, it's a great story. You know that there's only two uh, books of the Bible that are named after women, the book of Ruth and the book of Esther. And uh, in the book of Ruth, it's a, it's a great story. It's a great story for mothers. It's a great story for fathers. It's a great story for families. It's a great story for individuals because we are all <clears throat> challenged in some ways as, as Ruth and a Himelech was. Now, or, or excuse me, Naomi and Himelech. And, and I don't have time to read the whole story to you this morning, so I'm just going to kind of, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to tell you why I said it. That's okay. What I'm fixing to say is that there was a guy, his name was Ahimelech and Naomi. And they were God's chosen people. They were from the tribe of Ephraim. And, and, and they were special people. And God had given them, they had come into the promised land, a place that God had prepared for them. Just like whenever the people left the land of Egypt, God had a place for Naomi and Elimine. Everybody say, God has a place. Say, God has a place for me. I want you to understand that God has a place for you today. And this place that God had prepared for Naomi and Ahimelech was called the promised land. 
And they, and they were living in the promised land. And in the promised land, because of the, the deeds of the people, uh, there was a, there was, uh, God had withdrew his blessings from Israel. And there was a famine in the land. And so Ahimelech and Naomi, they're like, they got a couple boys. And they're like, we're going to move. Things just aren't going right around. It just, I mean, I just, it just doesn't, doesn't feel right. You know, I heard that there's a lot of really good things in, happening in Moab. So they, they load up the kids, and they move to Moab, and they, they live in Moab, and, and everything seems to be going good. They actually lived there for 10 years. But things was going good in Moab, and then all of a sudden, something Terrible happened. Uh, Ahimelech died. Well, their boys, they were, they were grown up, so they found them a couple of wives, a, a wife apiece. <laughs> you got to say that that way. And, and so, and then after a while, the two sons died as well. So here we are in the story of Ruth, and, and we find Naomi, and we find Orpah. Sound like a, it should be a Disney whale or something. <laughs> Orpah. And then there's Ruth. So Orpah, she's the, Orpah and Ruth are the daughter-in-laws of Naomi. And they're like, things aren't going good. I mean, they've got a lot of problems. A lot of things are happening in their life. A lot of things that they just didn't sign up for. You know what I'm talking about. You all been there, right? Got some things happening in your life you just didn't sign up for. Naomi's like, I'm going back to Israel. I'm going back to Bethlehem. So they all pack up Orpah and and Ruth and Naomi, and they get on the way, and, and Naomi's like, hey, you all don't need to be going with me to Bethlehem. Because, I mean, Moab is, is uh, your home, and, uh, you know, you've got your own gods there. Moab was, I'll tell you, and I may, re I'll try not to repeat myself, but Moab, a little... Moab was, you remember the guy named Lot, right? Abraham and Lot. Lot was the guy that him and Abraham, they decide they're going to, they got too much, too much cattle. They got way too many blessings from God. And so they got to split up. And so Abraham, he's being the godly guy. And he's got like, Lot, you just say where you want. You want to go. So Lot picked his spot. And the Bible says that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. So Lot, he goes one way. Abraham goes another way. Abraham, you can't make this stuff up. Abraham winds up sleeping with his daughter. And they have a son named Lot. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Lot. No, that's important. Lot winds up sleeping with his daughter, and they ha have a son named Moab. 
And Moab represents living out your life in the flesh, living your life according to the flesh. It may look good and there may be green grass there, but, but in Moab, there's, it's, it's always what happens from the eyes and it's from, from the flesh. But it, it, even though it may look good for a minute, there, there's no fulfillment in Moab because it represents sin. Because everything in the Bible, there's, there's symbolic things in the Bible and then there's specific truths. And sometimes both, and that's what Moab represented. Moab represented the sin of Lot. So, they're, 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 Naomi's like, I'm going back to my promised land. And they get about halfway. They, they're heading that way. And, and Naomi's like, Ruth, you and Orpah, you gotta, you need to go back, and uh, you can you can do whatever you want. And and she said, "Don't go with me, cause I'm 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 bitter and I'm 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 just I'm." She, she was just kind of bitter and angry, and and just life had dealt her too many problems. Just too many problems, too many things in her life had happened. And she said, you don't need to become. And, and so Orpah, she heads back to Moab. And here's what Ruth says. Ruth says, hey, you've heard this before. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Whatever God you serve, I will serve. And wherever you die, I will die. I mean, that's a commitment, you right? I mean, that's like, like, like you ain't going to run me off. There was something in the middle of Naomi that Ruth looked beyond Naomi's faults and looked beyond her bitterness and looked beyond her problems and she saw something about God inside of Naomi that something that hadn't been birthed for a long time, something inside of her that Ruth saw. She says, I want what you have. And I want to go back to your promised land. So they go back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it right there for a second. And I want to, I've got like a hundred pages of notes. The book of Ruth, it says it came to pass in the days of when the judges ruled. It was during the reign of the judges. There wasn't a king on the throne. People did what it says. People did what was right in their own eyes. That was the problem. Sound a little familiar? I'll go on. The children of Israel were living. They were living in a backslidden state, time of cruelty in Israel, a time of division among God's chosen people. A time of instability in the nation. That setting of the book of Ruth was a time of spiritual darkness. We could say safely that it was much like the setting that we live in today in America. A time when it seemed like they would make a little bit of progress and then a setback would come. And right in the middle of the turbulent times, we find a beautiful love story, a story full of hope and about a harvest, about a love found, a way and there seemed, where there seemed to be no way. In fact, I wanted to maybe title this sermon, Three Funerals and a Wedding.
So there's a famine in the land. Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons, Chilion and Malon. They run to what seems to be like greener pastures. Anybody been there? You're like, you went there and you're like, what was I thinking? They tried to run from the famine that they had in Israel. How many knows that there's different types of famines? There's a spiritual famine, a financial famine. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a lot of different kind of famines. But they were actually running from the will of God. There are three things we can do when trouble comes. I can figure out. One is try to escape. Just give me a like, Calgon, take me away. <laughs> try to run from our problem. That's an old one, isn't it? That's like real old. <laughs> yeah. But that's what the family did. They tried to run from their trouble. They tried to run from the will of God because it got tough. It got a little bit hard. Okay, I'll move on. Or they tried to endure the trial. And then in the middle of the endurance of the trial and in the middle of the test, they become bitter. You know, you always have a choice in life whether you can become bitter or get better from your trial. So some embrace the trial and turn the trial into a testimony. That's what God's plan is for us. You can allow the trial to serve you instead of you serving the trial. The, serve can be a, the trial can be a blessing to you because you learned from your trial. Can somebody say amen has been through a trial or two in your life? We can have the spirit that, that Ruth, that she actually broke the mold when she said, it can change me. It can touch me. It can bless me. It can make me better. And I'm going to allow God to work in me through my trial. Ahimelech, he broke the mold when he said, I'm leaving Israel. I'm going to get out of here. I ain't, I ain't got time for this. I, I can go find the grass greener on the other side of the septic tank. You know, that's where the green grass is, right? <laughs> so you can break the mold in a bad way, or you break the mold in a good way. Somebody say amen. And we're not trying to, uh, we're not going to try to overcome the problem. We are not going to try to endure the famine. Uh, when God says this is the place for you, famine or not, he's called us to grow where we're planted. It might be a little slower growth, but it'll be a little bit stronger growth whenever you stay hooked with the place that God plants you. But they said they're going to leave the place that God had promised them. We're going to a little place called Moab. We're going to be down here for a little while. And when the famine's over and when the blessings are being poured out in Israel, we'll go back. And after we've spent some time out of God's will and more, let me just, I'm just going to have some fun for a while. I just want to enjoy, the, I'm a, uh, I'll, I'll serve God when I get a little bit older, but I'm just going to sow my wild oats for a minute here. You know, sow your wild oats, then pray for a crop failure, right? Yeah. And we'll make it back to God and his promise. And now... I'm just going to run from my problems. I'm going to get as far away from the dilemma as possible. Ahimelech was following the flesh. He was not walking after the spirit. He ended up exchanging a famine for death. 
Hmm. The famine didn't look too bad after that. He ended up dead along with his two sons in Moab. The meaning of Moab, Moab is a place where physical things are elevated above the spiritual. Moab is a place where the physical things in life and the things of the flesh are elevated above the spiritual thing. Anybody ever battle with that? Everybody should raise their hand at this point in time. Battle between the flesh and the spirit because it's going on in you. And if you're not fighting it, the flesh is winning. It's like the bad dog and the good dog fighting. Whichever dog wins is the one you say sick him to. place where you walk by the flesh and not by the spirit. Moab came about because of Lot. I told you this earlier. He lifted up his physical eyes and all that he could see was the well-watered plains. He could have lived anywhere he wanted to live instead seeking God's direction. But Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. You know Sodom and Gomorrah, the place of sexual immorality, the place of... A lot of sexual sin. Just because it's fun doesn't mean that it's okay. I hear people say all the time, I just want to have fun. Let me tell you something. The pleasures of sin are fun, but only for a season. Everybody says, oh, sin ain't no fun. Well, it can be fun for a minute. But sooner or later, you're going to have to pay the consequences for the sin. Because sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll make you pay a whole lot more than you want to pay. And it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Every time. Every time. Yeah, that's right. Keep your eyes. You've got to keep our eyes on the promise of God. God had a pre-planned promised land. God's got a pre-planned promised land for you too. There is a place where you are called to be. Could you say amen to that? There is a place. Things didn't turn out the way they had planned, so they moved. They just didn't feel like it. Just didn't feel like it. And I'm sure some of them probably said, well, God said we should move to Moab. Let me tell you something. God will never tell you to do something that's against his word. And don't be saying God said just to make yourself feel better. Ooh, I'll move on. I'll move on. I'm sorry. My challenge for all of the mothers today is keep your eyes on God's promise for you, for your family, for your children, for your kids, for your marriage. Also for the fathers and for the children, the grandparents and the great-grandchildren and the grandchildren. Keep your eyes on the promise because the story isn't over as long as you're breathing. You can do something about your story. We have a promise that is greater than this world can offer. Moab is everywhere, but there is only one promised land. The world cannot replace or duplicate what Jesus Christ has done for us. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the church. If there was a drought in your land... There's a drought in your land. Tap into the living water. There is abundance of water. Drink from the springs of living water. Does anybody remember that old song, Drinking of the Springs of Living Water? Drink. Well, I'm going to sing it for you. Nobody knows it. <laughs> Drinking of the springs of living water. Happy now in my, my soul is satisfied. Uh, drinking of the springs of living water. Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. 
come. It goes on and on. But if you got a drought, if you got a drought in your life, God, Jesus says, you can drink this water and you're going to get thirsty again, but you drink from the springs of living water, you will be satisfied. So the problem is not the location of our body, but the location of our heart. We think that if we move in a different location, that it'll change our heart. How's that working out for you? No. Change your heart, then let God take you where he wants you to take, wants to take you to your promised land. So life in Moab, I got to, man, I got to, I can't even talk about Moab. Y'all know all about it anyway. It ain't good. Bad things happen in Moab. So Naomi, she's in Moab. It was here in Moab that Naomi found herself standing beside three graves. One, the grave of her husband, the grave of her two sons. Then she found herself alone in Moab. And she came to find hope. And she had come to find happiness. And they thought that they would find joy in Moab. But you can look for joy. But my Bible tells me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> we can look for joy in a lot of different places. And we look for happiness in, in a lot of places in Moab. Let me tell you something. It's not about you getting what you want. It's about God getting what he wants in your life. And when God gets what he wants in your life, then you will find that peace and that joy that only God can give. You can look all you want out there in Moab. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody say, I, I know what you're talking about, preach. <laughs> Anybody been in Moab before? <laughs> We've all been in Moab. Bought the... T-shirt. There ain't no joy in Moab. There is no contentment in Moab. There's no peace in Moab. The, the grass might be green, but doesn't fulfill me. I might have everything I want on the outside, but I'm very void on the inside. That's what happens in Moab. Mom, dads, young people, the devil would like to paint you a beautiful picture of the joy, the devil would like to paint you a pretty picture of the joy that this world can bring you. Can I tell you today that the picture does not tell the whole story? It may look easier, it may look like it's more fun, it may look more glamorous, and it might look more popular. But Moab is not worth it. It's just a facade. When we first came to Montgomery, we, we in over here by the, the, the Montgomery Steakhouse, there was a, an Old West Town scene. And on the inside of that Old West Town scene, it looked like an Old West Town. But on the outside, it just had little things that would prop up the, 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 the town scene. There was no foundation. There was no town. It just looked like a town. Everything was a facade. And it might have looked all right once you got in the middle. Like, oh, man, this is pretty nice. It did look pretty cool. But when you walk outside, I was like, man, huh, that's all jacked. <laughs> we need 
a foundation. Anybody here would need a foundation in your life? You're kind of tired of hanging out in, in, in the, the places where it's just a lie. The devil will tell you if you've been there, you can't go back to the promised land. He'll tell you if you're in Moab, you, you, you don't belong in Bethlehem. You're just not good enough. You're not the right breeding. You, 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 you weren't born there. You weren't born into it. And, and, and you, don't, you don't have no right. Just because you weren't born into it doesn't mean you can't be born again into it. <laughs> We've got to make up our minds that we can't afford to start hanging out sometimes with old friends that drag us down and take us back to Moab. We can't afford to jeopardize eternity for the pleasure of sin for a season. It's just not worth it. We can't stay in Moab and have the blessings of the promised land. So we go back to Israel. The famine's over. Ruth tells Naomi, wherever you go, I'll go to God. You serve that I'll serve the God. A lot of, the, a lot of theologians are hard on Naomi because she said, you go back and serve your gods. I don't, I don't buy into, though I read a lot about this, trust me, this week. But I don't buy into that completely because I believe there was something in Naomi that attracted Ruth to God. The theologians, they're like, man, she was a bitter woman. She had, uh, well, you might have some problems too if your husband and your two kids died too. You might have a problem or two. But Ruth looked beyond the faults of Naomi and saw what she needed. She needed to be loved. She needed a family. Yeah. Uh, don't you, aren't you thankful that some people in your life look beyond your faults and see what you really need? And they don't judge you because you said something stupid or you did something or you were bitter or you were going through a little season of problems and they didn't just cut you out and leave you, but they hung in there with you even though you was kind of bitter and you weren't no fun to be around. Man, I'm glad for faithful people in my life that hung, hung around and stayed strong with me when I, when I was like a jerk. So here's what it was. So, goodness. Even though there was a law in effect in the nation of Israel that said no Moabite even to the 10th, listen to me, no Moabite even to the 10th generation would be able to come into the congregation of Israel. The law said you may live in Israel, but you will always be a Moabite. You remember all through the Old Testament, God said don't marry people outside of Israel because they'll bring other gods into Israel. You remember that, right? And every time God would, God would bring judgment on the nation because they always brought their other gods into Israel. You remember that? Now here's something. Here's how 
Ruth broke the mold. I'm going to get into it. She believed that the God of Israel would love her no matter what she was. In other words, she didn't bring another God into Israel. She chose to worship the God of Israel. That's the big difference. See, we we like, oh, that's so sweet. I'm so happy for her. But how many times do we try to bring our thoughts and our gods and, and our ways? Well, I just don't believe that. I don't believe. Listen, when we understand the faithfulness of God, we won't try to manipulate and try to redefine who God is and re, realign our doctrine so that it fits part of what's happening in Moab. You can go to all them foo-foo churches. They, tell, they say, oh, you can, it's okay if, you just gotta, you just gotta do what makes you feel right, and if, if you feel like it's okay, you with me? Listen, sin is still sin, no matter where you, whether we buy into it or not. God's gonna, God's not up there going, mm, I never thought maybe I'll change my mind on that. No, God doesn't do that. Not because of you, not because of me, not because of anybody. But Ruth saw God. In Naomi, that drew her to that God. And she said, I'm willing to forsake all of the gods of Moab to have the one true living God that is in Naomi. (laughs) Gracious. It's good stuff. So, so the good part, they get back to, oh, do that. Yeah, do it. Do it, Johnny. So they get back to Moab, or they get back to, to Bethlehem, and there's a guy named Boaz, and he is related to Naomi, and he is what is called the kinsman redeemer in other words the one that has been chosen because he is a distant relative of Ahimelech and he's like hey Ruth, Ruth shows up she's like we got to get something to eat she goes out in the field and Boaz he's, he's a wealthy guy and he says hey you glean in my field and he told his workers hey leave a little bit extra for Ruth and and she worked hard. He said, mm, she's a hard-working woman. I like that lady. And then I'm making up some of this up. <laughs> but you can read it. It's all good. And then, then he goes, she goes, he says, hey, just come and have lunch with us. And if you need a drink of water, come get a drink of water. The, the Redeemer, y'all come on with me. I said the Redeemer is making a way for the woman from Moab, the one that, Nobody really had time for. And all of a sudden, Boaz, he's like, hey. And then, then after that, she had a little conversation with Naomi. Naomi goes, hey, he's going to go sleep in the, in, in the grain, grain field or grain deal. And says, go over there at night. And, and now this isn't anything like what you're thinking right now. He says, just put, your, put the blanket, part of the blanket over you. And when he wakes up, tell him that, that he is your kinsman redeemer and ask him pretty much. I mean, it's like, 
Hey, you want to redeem me? I'm, uh, I'm available for redemption. Because I'm tired of Moab. I'm tired of just not having a purpose. And I don't have any children. I'm just like, and Moab, or Boaz, he, 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 he's like, hey, get, take, take this grain with you to, to your house. And so I'm going to fix this. And he, she went back to Naomi. And Naomi says, hey, he's going to take care of that today. You know, you think about it. You're going to be, we're going to be okay. And Boaz went to the city gate, and, and because of the custom of the day, there was another guy that was in line, and, and Boaz gave him an opportunity to have Naomi's property because the property was handed off from generation to generation. But he said, along with it comes uh, another, the lady, you got to take Ruth as your wife, and that guy, oh, man, that's going to mess up my stuff. So you can have her. So Boaz marries Ruth. They wind up having kids. One of the kids' name was Obed. So anybody got a Bible? I need to turn to Matthew chapter 1. The part that we all skip over. The genealogies. So, Mark, Mark, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Verse 5. This is important. You won't want to miss this. Jesse. No. Solomon was the father of Boaz. Boaz. Y'all with me so far? Boaz. His mother was Rahab. You know who she was, right? She was the prostitute that let the spies in to Jericho. Okay, in case you didn't know it, this is the genealogy of Jesus. Y'all got to stay with me here. This is important. I'm talking about breaking the mold this morning. Somebody, somebody this morning is going to want to break the mold. Rahab. Boaz's mama of all things. Boaz was the father of Obed. Guess who his mama was? Ruth from Moab. Broke the mold. Obed was the father of Jesse. Who was Jesse? I thought you never asked. He was the father of David. King David. David was in the genealogy of Jesus. Sometimes you got to make up your mind you're just going to leave Moab. I think about my wife, Darla. She lived in Rockdale, Texas. Her dad had oil wells and cattle ranch and everything. And, and there was like... They was doing real good, and, and, uh, and I'm living in Colorado in a 22-foot camper trailer. I'm like, hey, we, gotta get, we need to get married, because I love you a lot. <laughs> and so we're like, come down here to the rodeo in Houston. I meet her at Houston. Five weeks later, the, 
Six weeks later, the fifth time I looked at her, we was walking down the aisle. We got married. Oh, it'll never work. 32 years later. You know, she... <laughs> yeah, right? You know what she said? She said, God told me that I needed to marry you. God told me to marry you. In the hard times and in the famine, and when we had hard times, and I mean, we've had some times. There's been some arguments, and there's some like, like I don't like you, I don't like you either. <laughs> Stuff like that. But it's like, even though there was a famine in our marriage, we made up our mind that we're going to stay in the place that God put us, that we're going to stay married because this is God's plan for us. Even though it gets rough and even though it gets tough. She had, I called her one time and her mama says, she's, she's, she's here in the house, but she's at the swimming pool. I'm, and I'm thinking, she has a swimming pool in the house? Now, I'm not, I'm not telling, I'm telling you, she left a pretty sweet little deal up there, down here, into a 22-foot camper trailer that, that let the rats in. I could tell you stories all the time, but that's not the point. The point is, God said, there's a place for you, Darla. And it's not Moab, it's not all this all these things that, that you think is important and that's why I just admire her so much is because she left a lot to come but now we, we all understand that it's all part of God's plan good, bad, hard indifferent we got to stay with God I just want to I just want to, I just hope somebody here today, you might be going through some rough times. You might even be having a good time. Let me just make, help you to make sure that you're not Moab, first of all. Let's make sure just because things are going, just because you got a pocket full of money or, or you got a nice place, everything. And they got nice places in Moab too. But there's no peace in Moab. Somebody say amen. amen. There's no peace. There's a promised land. And the Bible tells me that if we'll be faithful to the end, that God has prepared a place for those who love him, that this isn't all there is, that the best thing that could ever happen to us is that we get to die and go to heaven. What's the, how bad can that be? The great hope that God gave so that we could have eternal life. Don't try to find peace in Moab. Go to the place that God pre prepared for you because there's grace in the presence of God even if you're from Moab. Amen. Even if you're from Moab. It doesn't matter who you are, what your name is, where you came from, or what you've done. God has a place for you. Don't be afraid to break the mold. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thanks for loving us. I love you, Jesus. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, please do your work right now. Please help our hearts. Help our hearts, I pray. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. Today, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, maybe if you have, 
You just haven't been living for him. You might have once been in the promised land, wound up in Moab. It's never too late to make a right turn off the wrong road. So this morning, if you've never accepted Christ, maybe if you haven't, you just haven't been living for him. The greatest privilege that we have today is to accept Jesus as our personal Savior to make him the Lord of our lives. If you've, if you've never done that, or maybe if you haven't, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my life. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Preacher, that's me. Anybody? Anybody? I need, I need, I need God. I need him in my life. I need to make him the Lord of my life. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you would you stand stand with me, please? For all the mothers here, thank you for being here. Thank you for prioritizing the house of the Lord. Maybe some of y'all are here because of your mom. The greatest gift that you can give to your mom is. Here's one of the things that says, it says, honor your father and your mother that it might go well with you. That's in the Bible. I didn't make that up. <laughs> honor your father and your mother. Some of you kids need, might need to hear this. That it might go well with you. How's it going with you? It might be that you need to honor your father and your mother a little bit more. That it might go well with you. I just challenge you today. Oh, you don't know my mom. Well, give her a little grace. She's not perfect. Maybe your mom is. <laughs> I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you may have been tempted to go back to Moab because you feel like you're in a drought. Stay hooked. Stay hooked with God. Stay hooked with Jesus. And in the long run, in the long run, it'll be the right choice for you. Can y'all say amen? Let's all raise our hands and let me pray for you this morning. We raise our hands and surrender to you again, oh God, knowing that you are the Lord of our lives, oh God. Help us to be faithful to you. We lift up all the mothers to you today. We pray your blessings upon them for all of their sacrifices that they make. And we pray, oh God, that you would just make this a special day for them. We thank you for everybody here. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, Lord, not to, not to look back. Not to look back at the sins of our past, but Lord, to look forward to the God of our future. Help us today, we pray, to be faithful to you in everything we do. Say, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. We love you. We got a prayer team up here if you need special prayer. We would love to have you. God bless you.